the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast Green Room Edition. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here, and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen. But you will be delighted... It's not just me, I am joined by the ever-wonderful Chris Spencer. How are we doing, Chris? Hello, this is surreal. <laughs> just a little bit. And I can smell chips. <laughs> I'm not used to that when we're recording the podcast. Well, I couldn't, but now I can. Now I'm peckish. <laughs> um, but, as you may have heard, we're also joined by an audience. <laughs> there you go. That was better than last year. So, as always, we like to kick off with a little bit of news. And... Um, DBSA has been a little bit quiet this month, ever since last month when they released survey results, which was basically, uh, we asked the questions, you answered, we listened and did what we wanted anyway, but this is the first time that you've joined me since that, Chris, so do you want to give us your brief thoughts on that? I, I thought the uh, Green Room episode with, with Bob was brilliant. <laughs> uh, I was a little bit threatened, it's fine, but um, no, it was really good. Uh, yeah, no, I think your summary is about right. And um, I, they haven't been quiet, they're just not talking to you anymore. Um. <laughs> this is true. Um, but let's skip over that. We may touch back on it a little bit later. We are going to be recording the second half of this later. We're going to do it in the car. We'll have the windows open and put some chairs around for you all to come and listen. But as always, there is stuff that does go on in our industry. We're never completely quiet. And it's a bit of a sensitive one. So I'm going to be very careful how I talk about this because I don't want to go into too much depth because... If you are on social media, you may have seen there's been a little bit of a kerfuffle recently around a certain trading company. And I don't want to talk about it very much, but I do want to talk about the, the way that ties into what the topic of today is, which is looking at how we can be the best instructor we can be. And if you have noticed online, which I did, there are, try to use polite words because I've got an audience, uh, vultures shall we say, that when people are struggling, either personally or businessly, some people take great joy in that and will pick up the bones and take the opportunity to give them a kick in. I feel like I just want to say don't, you know, whether you are a current instructor or training to be one, one of the best things you can do is just start off by being a decent human being. I mean, that's a really good basic place to start. This is really lovely. <laughs> it's a really basic place to start. Um, and the other thing I just want to mention on that before I throw back over to you, Chris, is just to say that the way I hope this comes out is I, I went through a divorce last year, but I'm in a really good place now. So whereas these guys, this may not necessarily be the thing that they're actually after, the thing they're hoping for, let's hope they end up in a good place as well. So we're not kicking people when they're down, we're looking to build people and help them. What, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Absolutely. And the, you know, the first, and if you're, uh, you know, a, a single instructor, um, you're a business and, you know, um, stuff happens. I'm normally less polite on the podcast, um, but they're looking at me, so I, I feel that I have to be polite. Um, but, yeah, stuff happens and we have to remember it's a person first uh, or people first um, and we should give people time to to figure that out. Uh, and, yeah, I, th I think, you know, the, the question we're going to look at is, you know, about being good. I think we need CPD. We need um, sources for information. So, yeah, if, if we end up losing a big training company, the industry will suffer. So hopefully we won't, and hopefully there'll be some good stuff out there. 
Um, but there's there's always opportunities for not, for more and more sources. So you know the the instructor podcast is one. There are plenty of others. Yeah, and also a trading company that's done absolutely loads for the industry. I think it is important to recognise that that obviously we don't know what's going to go on. We don't know what's going to happen. But you know, just I suppose it is relevant to take a moment and say that they've done wonders for the industry, and it'll be a loss if you know they don't continue. But um, that, that kind of brings us to the topic of what we wanted to look at today, which was, you know, as we say, how we can be better instructors and starting with a decent, you know, being a decent human being is a good place to start. But, Chris, when I suggested this topic to you, when I've wrote this text down, I asked you, you know, let's do an episode on being the best instructor we can be because we're in the PDI zone. It felt appropriate. You're going to quote me back. At I'm going to quote you back now. Your reply Hi, was, we can talk about does being good matter? And I thought, my reply to you was that hurts my head. I'm going to have to think about that, and I ain't got a clue what you mean. I'm presuming you don't mean we do we need to be good because that's not going to happen. But <laughs> does being good matter? What do you mean by that? I we're in a minimum standards industry, and I don't like it, but I accept it and I recognise it. And everything is based around minimum standards. You guys don't need to be here today. It was a choice. There's plenty that chose not to. Um, you're all still allowed to do the jobs and it is a personal choice. And the driving test, the same thing, the syllabus that you teach. I'm going to move out of that light, sorry. <laughs> Give you some editing to do later. Um, the, the thing that you choose to teach, the syllabus, is down to you and your customer to choose from. We work to a minimum standard. And with the greatest respect to them because it is just the job and it's what they do the dvsa are the minimum standards industry uh, sorry minimum standards agency so it's a choice to be better than that and is it worth it it's a lot of cost it's a lot of time all of those things it makes you wonder as to whether you know you should um you know whether you should should worry about it or do we just make sure they are, to quote, ready to pass, not ready to go and drive afterwards, not ready to go and be safe, but ready to pass? And is, is there anything wrong with that? And I have had numerous sessions with uh, instructors who have got standards check and they're worried about it and they're looking at their stats and they don't really know what they mean. And... I've got very good at approaching it from the point of view of, of what I term as a bums-on-seats instructor. It's about the, the customer getting in the car and making sure there are more of them. And I say that totally non-judgmentally as well, um, or I try to. And, you know, it, that approach is, is, is a choice. So, yeah, it, it, whether you have to be good, good, good is better than the requirement, isn't it? So, and it's good, good enough. I don't know. Um, you know, it, there's, there's lots of things that we do because we choose to. So that, that's what I meant. What, what do you think now? I'm still not sure. Um, <laughs> I know that's a minimum yeah. standards. I first heard that relating to, to our industry when I first spoke to you on the podcast, which was way back on season one or like episode four or five, something like that. And it's played on my mind ever since. And it's something I've been talking about a lot recently, the fact that what does the DVSA assess us on? 
They assess us on 40 minutes. That's it. And if, even if we went back to that old school sort of, um, you know, one standard check every four years, they're assessing on 40 minutes over four years. They don't look at all the other awesome stuff you do. They don't look at how you handle those difficult students or the ones that have problems. They don't look at how you manage your business. They're not looking at how, when that student has a panic attack, how you deal with that. They're not looking at how you deal with the car beeping behind because a student stalled. They don't look at how you deal with a student that breaks down in tears because their the mum died last night and they didn't want to cancel because they don't want to let you down. They don't take that into account. And that's not a criticism of them. It's just a fact. They're assessing you in 40 minutes. Well, if you want to be the person that runs their whole four-year cycle, if you like, on a 40-minute assessment, that's how I'm interpreting your minimum standards. There's so much more you do about that. But how, how do we develop there, Chris? You know, when we're looking at, I said, the topic for today, being the best instructor we can be, how do we develop? What, what is that? How do we be the best we can be? And, and I think there's different answers to that depending on which hat you're wearing at the time because we run a business we run training we work with individuals and human beings so uh yeah but it, it is it's it, all of those things you know I've, I've experienced happening to people um i've experienced a, an instructor turning up to teach someone and and that pupil had just been uh, killed by a tree and no one thought about the driving instructor. Um, and they shouldn't have to, in, in a way. But, you know, I, I know I, I made the effort to reach out because I was the only person in, in that moment that was understanding where that instructor was. And it's, they're more than just customers, you know. And, and when you do the job well, they are. So all of those different factors are, are there. The business is equally important. So we have to kind of keep the balance going. You know, we want to do the right thing and the best thing, but we also need to pay the bills. And I don't think we're very good at it. I think, you know, we, we all kind of squeeze down prices. And, and it's, it's the whole sector. It's not just instructors. I was, you know, chatting with the guys from Go Roadie and My Drive Time today and, you know, the, the amount that they charge it, if it was in a different industry, would be a lot more. Um, I, I use an equivalent and it's 10 times the price um, for stuff that's not driving instructor related. And, you know, we, it's reflected all the way across. So we often try to be good on a shoestring. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. You know, I, I think that there is a place for the free accessible training, but we also have to make sure that we are looking after ourselves in the same way that, you know, you, you can go and run outside, but it's probably worth signing up to a gym, as Terry and I both might. Um, <laughs> it's so much funnier when they can see us when we say it. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I, it's not often I get lost for words, but I'm going to leave that one. I mean, it's a valid point there, though, you make as well about the pricing stuff, because you mentioned Gorodi and my drive time. You know, look at the DITC. You know, you look at the, the prices. That Again, I go back to the, to the diary management apps. That's what we call them, but it's wrong. Look at the stuff that you get with that. It's not just diary management app. That's at the core of it. The stuff around the tax, it sinks in with your Google stuff. My mind's gone blank for what else it does, but the amount of stuff that they encompass within that, and we get that for like 10 or 12 quid a month. That's ridiculously cheap. 
There, there is no industry where you would get that, that price. There is no industry where you'd get the stuff the DITC does for that price. There is no industry where, you know, I'll, I'll mention him because I'm wearing his jumper where Bob Martin delivers his <laughs> subscription costs, the quality of stuff you get over there for, for 30 quid a month, which is cheap for what he does. You know, and I think that when we think about being better, we've, we've got it really good in this industry and there's a lot of stuff that's free today. Yes, we're about to take time off work or whatever, but you know, I can see Ray Seagrave over there who's giving some presentations and Ray speaks a lot of quality, you know? So you're getting this stuff for free. I'm getting this stuff for free. And we're such a privileged position to do that. Or as I mentioned, we're getting it for cheap and I think it all comes down to mindset. And, and the big thing for me is what's next? So whether it's you pass your part free or you, you know, become an instructor or whatever it is, you can either just sit back and then, all right, this is my job now and just do it and maintain hopefully that level. Or you can look at what's next. How am I going to develop? Am I going to work on this side of my instruction? Am I going to work on this side of my business? Do I need a website? Do I need to invest in these apps? Do, you know, whatever it might be. And I think just looking at a what's next approach works quite well. And I think that's reflected in the way that we qualify. It's all about passing the part three. It's all about getting to that point. The part three that's based on a minimum standard. And you might just be good at teaching that one lesson. You don't have to be good at all of it. Um, the, for me, you know, theory specialism, uh, the, the part one isn't even relevant. Um, the, be nice if the test was relevant. A lot of the stuff isn't. But it it's go and pass it and then we'll start teaching you to you know become an instructor after we've made sure your driving's half decent so there is a a real disconnect all the way through uh, i was just having a chat with the guys from tso uh, stationary office uh, about the the books that are available the you know the dvsa titles and saying it would be really good if we produced a career path and had resources attached to it. But these are the things that, you know, that, that are useful to you at this point in your journey. Start out with the PDIs. So, you know, or pre-PDIs, which I think is really important. So we're, we're going to be, you know, trying to look into that with them and see if we can connect, you know, connect books to part of the journey and make it more of a journey. Because otherwise you get given your badge and you get told to go forth and multiply. And, um, you know, you, you kind of left at it there. And it would be so, so much more benefit if there was a journey attached to it. And it's the same conversation I've had with Terry about the wealth of resource that he's got. Um, people come into it, you get lost. And what do we do when we get lost? We panic. And then we bury our heads in the sand and don't engage. Uh, so, and, you know, coming along to events like this are important. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there about um, a career path and um, resources, you know, maybe we've got so much to announce in a minute about that, who knows? Um, but the, the minimum standards thing, I want to go back to that because just we you're talking about it then, I'm just, you know, should we change that label to DVSA's minimum standards? And then on top of that, we've got our minimum standards. So what's my minimum standards as a driving instructor? And that applies to the business, it applies to me, it applies to my level of development, what I'm going to input in that. I mean, recently on, um, I'm not plugging this, I'm mentioning it, but I do an episode for my premium called Ask Terry and Phil Cowley asked a question about what's my next thing of CPD. I'm like, I can't answer that. 
because it was like a podcast about yoga and how I'm thinking, how can I use that in my car? So I went on this massive tirade of all the seep. I'm like, I do a lot. But that's my minimum standards. And everyone's going to have a slightly different one. And that's not saying one's better than the other. But if we take away the DVSA's minimum standards and apply our own, we've got a new level there. Is that what you would be looking to endorse, do you think? Yes, with, with, with the added option of working towards the maximum. And I don't think it should be a closed off maximum. It should just be, you know, we, we have this annoying habit of working to the minimum. The, the number of instructors I spoke to when DVSA put uh, the bay parking into you know public car parks, because a couple of my local test centres didn't have car parks, and they said, are the DVSA going to give us spaces we can go and practice these in? So clearly it wasn't being taught because it wasn't on the test. Um, and, and I'm not one to stand and say, when was the last time you saw a driving instructor do are turning in the road because actually we're all over the place you can drive all day and not see another driving instructor if you go out of town so i i like to believe and i refuse to let anyone disillusion me that they're still being done that it's still out there but we shouldn't have to have it on the test to make it happen you know it it should be because it's a really good sensible thing to do um and you know and and that's got to be the best approach so so that's what you know yeah, as long as I get to keep my maximum, I'll, I'll take your advanced minimum. But I mean, that's an interesting one because I remember back when they brought Fall Bay Park into test. I had a, I won't name it, but I had a lovely little car park I used to use to, to go and practice my Bay Park. I never saw other instructors in there. Brought Fall Bay Park in, and then all of a sudden, it's like they banned instructors from using it. So it's that thing. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. You know, the DVSA have brought this in, and instructors have adopted it. But, you know, we, we don't have to wait for them to bring it in. We can adopt it early. We can take this stuff early. But as we said, you mentioned before. In fact, no, before I come on to that, I want to ask you a question. And I'm putting you on the spot slightly here because we said about, you know, you've got this influx of information. Even just today, you've got all this stuff around here. Where do people start? So whether it's they're in a, a PDI or whether it's a just pass apart, or whether it's someone that's taken a step back and assessing. Where did they start? I think it's really hard. No, the be- actually, the best way to do it is to think of yourself as one of your learners and what would you tell them when they get in the car, you haven't seen them drive and they need to work on stuff. The, um, the, that assessment of, of where they're at, what do they need? Um, it's not always good to start with your weakest bits because you give up. So, you know, look at where your strengths are and see what will bolster that because you will meet some amazing people. I was so lucky. Um, in my very early days, I met a lady called Lynn Webb who showed me that I didn't have to do it the DVSA way because I wasn't, but I felt like I was cheating. And, you know, she kind of introduced me to, to stuff that, that meant that you could you could actually work with a, with a pupil in what we now refer to as client-centered approaches and coaching. Um, I don't care what the words are. Uh, it was, I, I called myself a conversational instructor back then, and that kind of worked for me. But um, yeah, it is meet people, get in rooms like this and say hello. Um, wear a big badge that says, come, come and say hello to me because I don't like saying hello to you. Um, or put Bob Morton's face on your T-shirt. <laughs> And, and then engage and engage on the stuff you like and you enjoy and you're good at 
and then worry about the other stuff because you'll find solutions will come to you. Um, and I think that's probably the, the best thing. And every time I deal with an instructor who's struggling, it ends up being, what would you tell your pupils in this situation when you're in the car? Because you're really good at your job and you'll give good advice. So we've got plenty of mirrors in the car. Use one, have a chat with yourself. It works. It really, you look stupid talking to yourself, but you know, um, you'll get some good advice. And often that's the only person you agree with. So you're, you're driving instructors, um, 10 instructors in the room, 11 opinions. So yeah, that's where I would start. What about you? All the old uh, classic lines coming out now, I see. Um, I think the advice I would give would be to pick one thing to start with. Don't overload yourself. Like even today, we've got all these stalls here. Go see them all. Go get in as many of, of these presentations, these sessions as you can, but you're not going to be able to apply everything. So pick one thing and work on that. Soak in everything because you can, you know, take little bits in from everyone, but maybe one or two things to, to, to work on specifically and, and maybe find someone you're not scared of. And I say that because I think back to a few years ago before I started doing this podcast, I was scared of people. You know, I wouldn't engage, I wouldn't talk to people, but I found a few people in the industry, you can probably guess one of them, who I wasn't scared of and probably guess the other one and kind of went to those people and asked them some of the questions which helped me develop. So never be, af never be afraid to find someone you're scared, not scared of and work with that person. But I want to roll back a little bit to what you said about the career path uh, and the announcement because uh, we've got one. Um, essentially, we were thinking about the, the, the career path of instructors and becoming an instructor. And the stuff that people don't know, and this stems back to a few of my questions that some of my listeners in particular have asked in the past. And um, we have got a new podcast coming out that isn't on the Instructor Podcast feed. It is uh, called Becoming a Driving Instructor. And uh, I'll let Chris tell you a little bit about what it's about because I've introduced it. Well, it's one of the things that I come across a lot is people saying, I wish I'd known that when I started. Uh, so that, that's what we're going to try and plug, is that, that gap aimed at what I refer to as pre-PDIs, and it will therefore be relevant to everybody else all the way through to experienced ADIs, hopefully, uh, even if it's just to disagree with us. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's about the journey. It's about uh, what the job's really about, honestly, and, and talking about, uh, you know, exactly the good days and the bad days uh, and making sure that people don't make the mistakes. Uh, you know, I appreciate this isn't good for a podcast, but anyone in the room that's made a mistake or wishes they knew something previously, can you just raise your hands? Yeah. I, yeah. There's a few. It's a good few. So, yeah, I, I think that's what we're aiming to do is to give an opportunity because otherwise you hear the one that shouts loudest, which is normally the one with the biggest marketing budget, and I, I should have got a, a link between that and, and how many hands were in the room. Um, but the, it's either that or it's, it's, they don't find it, you know, that you find it too late and you've already made those mistakes. So that's what we're trying to plug. We're, try, we're trying to um, give some information and some opinion that isn't trying to flog stuff. Um, that is just having a conversation about it and giving some facts and 
guidance about the process and things to consider. Yeah, I think you've summed it up well there. We're not telling people what to do. We try to give the options that are available and, and put our potential spin on it as well, especially after recently hearing another podcast talk about a similar topic and uh, not enjoying it at all. I'm not going to promote that one. Um, but uh, you can find that by searching for becoming a driving instructor is coming into feeds now or you can go to Instructor Podcast Facebook page. It, is, it was scheduled to go on there at uh, 12.30, so you can find the link there. Uh, both me and Chris have got links to give you as well if you want to find it. It's aimed at people considering coming into the industry, PDIs currently, and new PDIs, uh, new instructors primarily. However, pretty sure it'll be useful for anyone. But uh, the thing I just want to finish on briefly, and I'll be interested in your thoughts on this as well, Chris. We've got a few minutes left yet is that I started a new tagline, a new end to this podcast this season, which was, if you're not enjoying your job, you're not doing it properly. And I got a little bit of feedback on that, that not everyone was happy with it. But I'm sticking with it because I stand by that. I think that if you're doing your job properly, maybe that's not the idea, but if you're doing your job properly, you should be enjoying your job. And I think that stems back to being the best you can be. If you're going out and you're giving your best into this role and into this job. This job is amazing. The, the rewards, I mean, someone asked me recently about the, what I find most rewarding about this job and I found it hard to answer because it's not people passing their tests, which I think is the go-to. For me, it's the little things, it's the little wins. It's the thing where someone does a parallel park and smiles afterwards and you ask them why they're smiling then it turns into a massive grin. And they're like, I don't want to say it were a 10 out of 10, but I think it were a 10 out of 10, you know, that kind of thing. They're the rewards. And, and that's what makes the job enjoyable for me. So just that, that phrase, Chris, um, if you're not enjoying your job, you're doing it wrong. What are your thoughts on that? If you're not enjoying your job, you could be doing it differently. Um, <laughs> so, says the man who gave up the car and is still an instructor, despite what everyone tells me. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of ways to do this. There's lots of opportunities. There's some really rubbish days and problems that you come across. Get people to support you. But that's going to happen wherever. I love it. It's, it's an awesome, awesome role. Um, and I, I also say, you know, linking it in with the CPD and the training, if you're not learning something every day, you're in the wrong room. Um, find a different one. Uh, you know, find, find somewhere where you can be challenged and you can learn because it... Yeah, there's so much out there and we don't even scrape the surface of a lot of areas because we use the the kind of um, the, the cookie cutter approach to some solutions. You can go and learn so much more. So, you know, if, if you're struggling for that, it's out there. Um, change the room that you're in, change the way that you do it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I agree with your sentiments. Right, well, thank you all for, for coming today. Uh, I've appreciated the smiley faces because I'm not comfortable up here, as you can possibly tell. A uh, big thank you to Chris for joining me. And oh, yeah, please do. The, uh, the applause sounds good in a podcast and especially, she's going to hit me, especially for Joe Wilson. Remember, if you're not enjoying your job, you're doing it wrong.
So, uh, myself and Chris are now recording in secret in a very discreet car, in a very discreet car park. Um, and we're continuing on with the green room. So, I will just mention that we're recording this at 10 to 3, which means that potentially in about three minutes, all the phones are going to go haywire because the government are currently trying to hack into uh, your phone <laughs> and steal all your data that they most definitely do not already have. So, uh, first question I want to ask you, Chris, actually, because we've just both been on stage uh, recording the Instructor Podcast live, The Green Room. How did you find that? How do you think it went? I really enjoyed it. It was good. I thought it went well. Um, It was different because you're kind of talking to people instead of just to each other. Yeah. It felt different, but... um... Yeah, I, I thought it was good. We got some really good feedback afterwards. So. Yeah, I did too. And I want to say for anyone listening, if they uh, were there live, you know, please get in touch and give me feedback on that, how you found it. Because kind of what you said then, I found the 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 balance of recording a podcast and presenting to an audience quite tricky this time. Whereas mm-hmm. when I did it last year, we'll just sat there at a table recording. Uh, and special shout out to the, to the Swifties who have just told me that they... Um, they liked uh, one of them liked the one last year best, and one of them liked the one this year the best. So that was absolutely, you know, unhelpful feedback. <laughs> so, um, but we we are going to dive into it because we there's more we need to talk about specifically, um, and and we want to touch back on the the tri coaching thing without specifically talking about the tri coaching thing. So, you know, when I mentioned this to you, Chris, you sent me some some questions through specifically about things we could talk about. And, one of the first ones was, can the ADR industry afford to lose the only accredited qualification it has? So I'm going to I'm gonna let you take that one first because I, I think I might have a slightly different opinion. I think that if we're going to take training seriously, we need to be serious about it. So we need something that has a bit of paper. And I say that as someone who hates the bits of paper that I've suffered in my career, not necessarily the driving instructor end of it, but doing other things where I haven't had a formal qualification. Um, And, you know, there's been jobs that I haven't got because of it. Even though I was possibly better qualified than the person that got the job, I didn't have the right bit of paper. And I think a lot of the people that end up in the industry are, you know, are not bits of paper qualification people. So it gets undermined and possibly forgotten uh, or you know, it gets negative connections to it because it's just a piece of paper. Um, we're very much about the, the kind of the solutions, about the skills that we can use rather than necessarily the, um, the, the learning behind them. And I, I think it's important that we've got something. And I think if that were to disappear, we would be worse off because of it. I, I get what you're saying, and I think I do largely agree. I think I have a slight issue, I don't know, with the, the accredited qualification. And I, and I was speaking about this with someone the other day, the idea of the DVSA recommending people. Or, you know, we spoke before about CPD being mandatory, um, and then the DVSA deciding what class is as CPD. And in, on one hand, that's a, a really good thing. Because you're then, you know, taking some of the charlatans out of the business. 
And, and speaking on a personal level, I suppose, I don't think the insurance, the podcast would ever be classed as CPD by the, officially classed as CPD by the DVSA. So whereas people, that would deter people from listening to it. And I'm not meaning to obviously specifically only talk about the insurance podcast, just a good example. Um, whereas I think more people should be listening to it. It's not going to be the thing that completely changes everyone's profession, you know, that's where you need more in-depth stuff, whether that's, you know, um, coaching sessions with you or me or any of the other awesome people that are out there. That That's where you make those real inroads. But this is the thing that starts those inroads. I think if you take something like that away, not just this, but any of them, I think that you, you lose some of it. So I have a slight quandary around that anyway. However, I also agree with you in the point that it's the only one I'm potentially losing it. It's like how that's viewed by the industry. You know, is there are people, uh, I think we spoke before a little bit on the, the live show about the vultures circling and, you know, desperate to just see certain people struggle and dive in and, you know, the, how that comes across. And I think that there's there's space there for the DVSA to do something in terms of accredit accreditation, but it's I think they need to be they would need to be very very careful with how they did it so as not to rule out some of the things that aren't obvious like this day course you know where I would get more from certain things than an actual full long day course you know some people learn from we've spoken about this before but some people learn from sitting in a room being talked to others will learn from getting up singing and dancing about stuff others will learn from having a one-on-one -on -one conversation i think that'll be my only sort of concern around that i agree absolutely and i've always said every time cpd gets mentioned by the dvsa that it needs to be inclusive not exclusive and i suppose you know um I expect the DVSA to do the wrong thing. And therefore, yes, there's there's issues there. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be told what I should be learning. Uh, I want to be able to find what's right for me. As, as we said, you know, in the live recording, that it is about um, finding what what's going to make you a better person, instructor, business, whatever it might be. Um, that's the right thing. And I think they, they need to accommodate the right thing. So, you know, just from historic dealings, are they going to do the right thing? Probably not. So we probably shouldn't be wanting them to, to do so. Um, I, I, I'd be interested in looking more into what other industries do that, that do it well, um, you know, to, to sort of discover if there's a better way that we can do that. What are your thoughts on the DVSA right now? Because I asked you at the start of that live show about your, your thoughts on the um, the last month's uh, survey results and so on. What are, your, what are your feelings towards the DVSA right now? I'm going to leave it there. I wonder if they're fit for purpose, if I'm honest. Um, if we recognise them as the minimum standards agency, you know, they're probably doing that all right. But the waiting list. If you get a weird kind of edit there, that is because the government are currently hacking into your hacking into our phones. So we've had to um, 
I'll take a slight pause, but Chris, do you want to carry on as best you can? Um, yes, that was fun. Um, so I think that the biggest issue is the job of managing the driving tests, and they're not. Um, I, I think they're not even managing. Um, that that's the point, and until that is resolved and things improve, um, I. Yeah, I think the rest of it is is a mute point, and um, we we need to have better understanding of what the plan is, how we're supposed to engage with it, and you know, is, is there actually light at the end of that tunnel? Because it it's not very obvious. We keep being told things are getting better, but I'm not seeing it. Well. I mean, it's interesting you say that because one of the things I've been doing uh, this recently for a few different reasons is going back over some old podcasts from like two years ago. And there's episodes of me and you and me and others talking about driving test waiting times and nothing's changed. I mean, look, it has clearly in some places it is better, but overall nothing's changed on a whole. And I'm, I'm trying to think back to the live recording we did like three hours ago uh, <laughs> when I say this, but I think you mentioned a joke, well, half jokingly said they're only ignoring me at the minute, but it, it kind of makes me wonder whether there was an element of, oh, we've got Terry on side, Let, let's put this stuff out there. And then when they realise I'm not on side, I'm impartial, which I think I am, I think that's where potentially they go, right, okay, we're not talking to Terry anymore. You know, and maybe they're listening to this and they're listening going, actually, no, we haven't got back to his emails yet, <laughs> which is always possible. I try not to read too much into that stuff, but I think my thoughts are quite similar to yours. You know, I think there's some really, really good people there that do a really, really good and difficult job in really difficult situations. Mm-hmm. I think also the DVSA are put in a very uncomfortable position by the government, um, but they're not making it easy for themselves. But I'll, let's let's move on a little bit to your uh, second question that you threw to me, which was, are we so against CPD that we need it to be free? I think that part of the issue is caused, and I am absolutely generalising, and there's lots of exceptions, but the issue is caused by the way that people find it almost as um, uh, an an afterthought as a job there's very few people that leave school wanting to become a driving instructor and often you know it used to be a retirement job i think that's changing a bit people are finding it as a career but it's one that they find after they've done whatever else they've done so there is a a filtering that goes on that ends up with a certain type of person coming into this industry an industry i love and full of people that i you know think a lot of um so i'm not knocking it but i think there is a there is a a sort of subsection of people that become driving instructors Uh, i can walk around the local shopping center i can spot one coming the other way even if i don't know them um so you know i think that considering we're a training industry an educational industry we don't value training enough and you know we we end up being slightly militant and uh you know it it we we don't necessarily see it as part of what we do we're 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 right on our own thank you very much 
And I think that that means that the price barrier becomes an obstacle between people improving and um, you know, where they currently are. And it would be interesting to see if that makes a difference. But there's so much free stuff out there that still doesn't get engaged with. I don't think it's going to necessarily make things better. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, there, there is an element of, um, of the industry that is against improving possibly because we don't want to be seen or have it recognized that there's something that we don't know. Uh, and I, I wonder where that comes from. Lots of points there. Um, however, uh, um, I haven't got my notepad with me. I haven't noted them down, so I'll do my best to come back to them. Um, I think that it's interesting, the whole concept of it. I think there's nothing wrong with CPD, uh, sorry, free CPD in itself. I think that this is free CPD you, you're listening to right now. I think that it's the balance. I think that what you can use free CPD for often is, well, use it to obviously learn, but then use it to see what you do next. You know, if you, just because it's easy, I use the Instructor Podcast example again, think about how many different trainers have been on the Instructor Podcast that if you wanted to go and take some, for example, standard strength training, you could really easily listen to the, you know, all the, the instructors that have been on the, the podcast and pick your favorite, you know, but then that's where you then invest in yourself financially. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it in itself, but I do think that too many people are looking for it. We see it online. I'm not going to mention names, but, you know, me and you saw it specifically when we were talking about doing the, the expert session on roundabouts. Exact quote, or probably an exact quote, uh, driving instructors shouldn't pay for their, any training. We should charge our students more to cover that or something along those lines, that, that quote, which is an absolute disgrace of a comment. Why? Why should we have to get everything free? Why? It's absolutely nonsense. Um, I don't think that, as I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with free CPD and there's nothing wrong with paid CPD. The great thing about having it free is if you're just starting out, that's less expensive, obviously. You've got that. You can make use of the free stuff until you settle down a bit. Then you can think, oh, what am I going to invest in now? And that ties into me with my you know, business career, my development in that I started off by listening to podcasts and audiobooks. Now, all right, audiobooks aren't free, but it's like eight quid a month on Audible or something. So that, that minuscule amount, if you like. And then I'm like, okay, well, I think I'm ready to move on. What am I doing now? And I, I signed up to some courses and I signed up to some interactive groups. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the next one. What's next? One-to-one -one stuff. And it's then building up like that. And I think... Would that be an approach you embraced? Yes, I I, th I think so, and I think it is. It's the it, we get it in lots of other areas. You get the taster, don't you? You get you get the the free sample to then you know get get you using a product or you know, engaging with a product, and and I think maybe we should just be more overt about the fact that that's what we're doing. That it's you know here is this and then you can get more if you want to, um, and you you don't have to you know you can pick and choose. I I, I do wonder if we just lack the academic um, because the whole qualification process is very much based on 
making it up as you go. Um, the lessons, you know, the go and make your lessons up. Go and invent them each time. You can do it differently with every pupil and find what works. And we we lack, there's not a lot of concrete in inside of what we do. So I think sometimes that's what puts people off. Um, and if it's not there, you know, it ends up, we haven't got the stability and the structure to then do more. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's really interesting, but I, I, I don't, I'm not sure whether it's, it might just be how it is. It might not be wrong. Yeah. I mean, that, that concrete structure we're talking about, that's where you get then, you know, the, uh, the haters online saying, you know, about how people should dress, um, and, you know, dress code of trainers and, and not trainers as in, um, <laughs> footwear trainers as in adi trainers and also um you know all that kind of nonsense and why do people need to be audit and we, we know we've spoke about audit before but you know people using that as a stick you know this person only wants to be audit to validate themselves well and so what if you want to want to be audited to validate yourself if that's what it takes for you as a person that's not a stick to beat someone with that's their choice you know i work with a lot of learners obviously and some of them openly tell me i don't think i'll ever believe i can drive until i get that examiner passing me and i'm like well surely you need to believe in yourself first like i do but i don't think i can find it's like i'm gonna say the final nail in the coffin i don't think that's the phrase i'm looking for (laughs) the validation the validation yeah that final validation is is that examiner giving me the tick so when they're grading themselves out of 10 or whatever they will ever give themselves a 10 because they're doing it, they need the external. And often I'll ask the question, is my opinion not good enough? And apparently not. <laughs> they need the examiner. But um, I want to move on to, to the third question you mentioned, uh, which was, does free CPD devalue it? And we kind of touched on this, but does free CPD devalue it? And would free CPD meet a DVSA requirement if it became mandatory? Yeah, I, I, I think yeah, we, we've skirted around it. and probably not because they need to have something that is is valued i think probably the best solution would be if the dvsa didn't mandate cpd they mandated us logging cpd so the requirement is that you do it and log it that's the minimum requirement and we know it's the minimum standards agency so that would work quite well and actually, the requirement of this should be that we record X amount of CPD every year as a minimum. And it can be anything. And yes, you'll get people who will, you know, make it up um, that, that will just pick, you know, ha- having been on Facebook for a couple of hours and, and put that down as, as uh, units of CPD. But actually, if we just make it, you know that there should be value to it and if that was then had to be explained you had to say why you'd done it um you could have a development plan an actual career plan or business plan inside of inside of what we're doing that would make a difference and you know if if we are only looking at minimum standards and that's what they do then that would be enough and I think that's probably the way to get the best outcome. 
Do I think that's what's going to happen? No. They're either going to do nothing or they're going to make it so regimented that you have to have accredited courses or accredited trainers. And if I'm honest, it would probably put me off. I'll go and do something else. I think the thing that could potentially work would be as a result of. So not necessarily log in the CPD you've done, but log in what you've done as a result of your CPD. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's all well and good going on this training course to deal with nerves. I'm not meaning to single anyone out, but going on a training course to deal with nerves or a one-day session to deal with nerves. But then after that, what have you done? So then you get to end of year and, and you have to submit every year what you've done and, and it can be in three categories. So um, what have you done in relation to your business? What have you done in relation to your health? What have you done in relation? I know that DVSA will do that. It's just my idea. But your business, your health and, and your, you know, your lessons, your instruction. And you could say, right, well, this is what I've done. These are the changes I've made. You don't even have to say what the CPD was. You could just say, I've done this and... You know, that would, that's a, a tangible, well, almost a tangible way of, of looking at what you've done. But any final thoughts on that, Chris? Or, or do you think that we've, we've covered this and the CPD and, and the, the, the situation we're in right now as best we can for the moment? Uh, the only thing I would say is it, to me, feels like the same issues that we come across when we look at a minimum number of hours, a minimum requirement for learning to drive. The instructors are quite possibly going to, a bit of a Brexit situation, they're going to vote for something that they think they want and then when they get it, they're going to realise that that might not quite be what was sold to them. And Quite. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to be too political, but I... Um, I, I think that, that you know it minimum number of hours for driving instructors makes some sense until you realize that it will be 10 hours with a driving instructor it, then everyone's going to think that they only need 10 hours it's not going to be the 45 hours or whatever the the DBSA figure is for on average and it's an average because it's not how averages work there's a minimum, there's a maximum as well, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that will will give us what we want. And the same thing is going to be the case with CPD is that once it starts having rules about what that CPD is, we're going to end up with something that we don't want um, because you're going to cut all the good away from the outside and you're going to end up with what's left. And we've seen that happen elsewhere and we don't want that. So let us look after ourselves rather than let the minimum standards people do so. I think a couple of things I want to um, just wrap up on is, so first of all, during the live show, I was talking about starting off by being a decent human being. I, I was watching my tongue slightly because we're on stage. Um, if you need it a little bit more directly, don't be a dick. Um, if you see someone struggling online, whether it's for the business or whatever, or they come and ask a question, have this in your brain. Is this a dickish response? If the answer is yes, don't respond. If the answer is I don't know, don't respond. If the answer is, well, oh, I'm being really helpful. No, that's not dickish at all. Then respond. I think work off that would be would be pretty decent. Um, but we are currently sat in the car outside Kempton Racecourse. Um, Chris, 
how's the conference been today for you? What are your thoughts on it? Um, you know, I like to reflect. Um, this is your opportunity. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, it's good. I, I, sorry, I, I probably have a different set of standards and requirements from from doing things. Uh, you know, when I come to this, it's have I managed to not just have a chat with people, but have I found something new? Um, yes, I've there's a couple of people that I want to talk to to follow up on and 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 explore things. Um, for for if we, if we use average, we'll go with averaging out the number of people that are listening and 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 coming up with a a model driving instructor from that. Should they have come along? Absolutely. Um, there there was uh, some, some there were some really good speakers. There were some really good um, uh, resources that are available and some great conversations going on between instructors. So yeah, ab- absolutely. W- w- was it was it good for me um i'll let you know in a week the, the the thing for me was when i first came in and i saw the size of the room that we were presenting on that just lost all sense of everything then and i wasn't <laughs> able to do anything else so i don't know if it was any good or not because my entire day has been based around 30 minutes still on the stage it was very wobbly um i felt a bit seasick at one point and not even because of my nerves because of a wobbly stage but uh, but yeah, so uh, I mean, I'll just say that thank you for everyone that did come along to to take part in that and and watch or listen to that, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, anything else you want to tag on, Chris? No, uh, my thanks as well. And um, please, we'd love to hear some feedback because it's really weird when you stood on the stage. I don't think you get a feel for for what it was like. Um, and it was, I just want to say, it was a packed room. Um, we we were happy with two people sat in the front row and and just talking to them, but it was. It was a packed room and lots of nodding and engaging. So I like to think it went well. Um, but yeah, uh, genuine feedback, always welcome. So please do. Uh, and speaking of feedback, I'd be interested in your feedback listeners to the podcast because this is going out at the end of April. And April's been a very different month in this sort of podcast. We had a, a premium special episode with, with Bob and Sam that went out. We had a bonus episode on the episode uh, dissection. Uh, I did a re-release today as I'm recording this on 23rd of April of the first ever episode. And the episode, again, as I'm recording this next week that's going out, will be the one with all the the special bits from the the expo in it. So I'd be interested in your feedback on on April for the Instructor Podcast. Have you enjoyed it? Is it nice to get something a little bit different? Was it a bit too different, too much together, if that makes sense? But, But either way, we'll leave that there. And remember that if you are not enjoying the lessons, you are either doing them wrong or could simply be doing them differently. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers About what drives them